Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Matt Knudsen. And if you're a longtime listener to the show, you'll maybe remember Matt Knudsen. We talked briefly at the LA Podcast Festival last year, where he talked about some of the same stories, but uh, I just thought he was so uh, interesting. His story was good, and he's a really funny guy and a nice guy that uh, I brought him back to expand a little more on what we briefly talked about at the festival, but with a lot less crowd noise in the lounge that was at the festival. So we recorded it here in my uh, home studio, and it sounds great. So I think you're going to enjoy that. If you are listening to this the week it comes out, I am currently in Croatia helping out our friend Ashley Colburn host the Legends of Croatia show on Touristar TV. If you want to follow along, I'm live blogging and uh, taking photos and posting on Instagram and uh, Facebook and all the other stuff. You can hit all the links on our website at TravelTalesPodcast.com. Once again, that's TravelTalesPodcast.com. I'm going to be live blogging and doing all that stuff. It's, uh, I'm assuming that I'm having a good time. I'm recording this before I leave, so... <laughs> I'm just going to assume that I'm having a great time in Croatia because I've always had a good time in Croatia. So follow along, TravelTalesPodcast.com. Once again, you can go to the bottom of the page, every page at uh, the website, and you can hit all our links for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, iTunes, etc., etc., etc. And hey, while you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating? Boosts our presence, helps people find the show, so do that. If you want to write me... You can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. And when I come back, I will have some great stories and some more interviews from my time in Croatia. I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also going to make a stop in Italy to see some friends. Back to Sicily, back to uh, Rome. And I'm really looking forward to that because it's been about 15 years since I've been there. And you can't go wrong with Italy. And... Best of all, I'm going to be in Europe during the World Cup, which is awesome. That's where I got hooked on soccer in the first place. And to see the passion that happens around this tournament, uh, it really brings everyone together to watch on the TVs. (laughs) The world stares at a TV for three weeks, and it's pretty incredible. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be a lot of late nights watching in many pubs around Europe. So that's going to be cool, too. Go USA! All right, with that being said, I hope you're having a great beginning of the summer. I know I am, so enjoy this talk with Matt Knudsen, picking up where we left off from the L.A. Podcast Festival, comedian, actor, and all-around nice fella. Enjoy. Okay, well, let's get back to travel. Let's do sure. that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you were, you, you were in school. I was in school. You were out of high school. I was out of high school. Did you go to college or you did not? Well, I actually uh, I went to one semester of junior college. I went to Orange Coast Community College. One of your finer Ivy League schools. To Costa Mesa. <laughs> I, was, um, I was 
I could only take one class. There was only one course that I could get in because I wasn't matriculated into the system. So all the stuff that I wanted to take was already was already filled up. Okay. But if I took a class, then I would be in the system and then I could like sign up in like the next semester and have priority over these other students. So I took a psychology class. It was one class. Uh, I was a cashier at Office Depot. And uh, I was like 18 years old. And <laughs> I think I had like, I, where was I living? I think I was living with my parents, but I had like moved out and then moved back. And I was just thinking like, okay, um, let's, let's review the Knutson situation <laughs> to this point. Living with parents, mm-hmm. Office Depot gig, one class. So you're getting laid all the time. Oh, dude, it was wall to wall orgies. Oh yeah, and my dad tried to come in and told me to keep it down. Mm-hmm. Just like, hey, dad, listen, I'm fighting him off. I'm fighting him off. I'm giving all that hot office depot tail. <laughs> the khakis and blue polo speak for themselves. I can get you as much uh, paper and uh, staples uh, yeah. that you need. Yeah. So reams of paper. Uh, so no, but basically, uh, I. The next semester came around and I signed up for five classes and I just realized at that point I was not interested in school anymore. And I went to a party and there was a guy who was hanging out with some of the friends that I knew, who's friends of a friend, and he and his friends were showing uh, – he had a VHS cassette that he put in and it was him. VHS kids. VHS. Uh, it, was a, it was a tape that which you, actually- you used to have to rewind. <laughs> It actually VHS. stands for old VHS. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it was him and his friends riding rickshaws around Thailand. And I was like, oh, that looks so cool. I want to do that too. The guy was maybe like maybe two years older than me, you know, not that much. It didn't feel that far removed. And he was a merchant marine. And I said, oh, I want to do that too. And so he was gracious enough to introduce me to the people that it took to get involved in that. And uh, so was the was, dot, dot, dot. Was the uh, regular uh, military ever an option for you? Did you ever consider I it? I thought about um, being like, I actually talked to the recruiter in high school about, you know, like the Marines. You know, remember that, like when you were in school, there was always that one Marine who would like yeah. kind of come around and like, oh, we're going to talk to you about your future. <laughs> I gave it some thought briefly, but uh, I never investigated legitimate military. My brother was in the Army. My I have two older brothers. The one just above me was in the Army for a while. You know, it was good for him at the time, but... I, so when, when you say merchant marine, that's always a term that, that gets used all the time, mm-hmm. and that means just basically you're working on ships. You're working on ships. I mean, did you see Captain Phillips? Yes. They were merchant marines. They were merchant marines. I thought that was the most accurate representation of merchant merchant marines that I had ever seen on film. So you Tom Hanks, you worked with him on the boat. Yeah, well we did. We did work together on <laughs> ironically enough, and I, I I know I've told this story before, but I auditioned for Captain Phillips for the for the feature film. And it was because I was an actor in Hollywood and I was a merchant marine. And so I went in and like read for the movie and the first fifteen minutes of the appointment were just me sitting in the chair and they're like, So you used to be you know, doing exactly oh, just an what interview. we're doing now, talking about my my experience, and I actually sailed to Africa, and I sailed those exact waters. I worked for the same shipping company. I was in Somalia. I was the whole thing, and so I was just like telling 
them about this. And it was people like – because it's so infrequent that I regale. You know, I'm not a regaler because it's my life and it bores me. You know right. what I mean? But if you tell someone who does you. It bores me. It bores me. <laughs> but, you know, when you go into a story that you've told people no, before, know, yeah, there's yeah. like that kind of – there's a different section of your brain at work. But I was telling these people and it was just like these really big-time casting people and studios and they were just like kind of – I call the phenomenon leaning in. Right. They were like leaning in and like... You must have thought you were in. It's like, I got this. What happened? Did you, so did you finally read? I well, mean, here's the thing. At the end of, as I was going out to my, uh, you know, the parking lot, I, for some reason, keyed Paul Greengrass's car. And I was like, <laughs> why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so you, I mean, I told my stories and uh, I read, there was a couple of scenes one of the scenes was, you know, we're the crew and we're in the engine room hiding from the pirates and hearing the announcement from Captain Phillips. And it went great. It went <laughs> – everything about the thing went great. And it was one of those times where you're just like, is that is 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 my phone? Yeah. Is that my, is that my phone? Oh, I, I better check just to make sure there's not a service outage. Yeah. Oh, God. And then it could be, but you know, this business, and they could have hired a friend of theirs. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> just Absolutely. Like, yeah, my uh, my sister's uh, cousin, he's yeah. an actor. We we put him in there. Right. We actually went with Jim Greengrass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. I should have uh, seen it. I should have seen it. Kinda. You know Steve Hanks over there? <laughs> he took your role. I think uh, Tom Hanks has a brother who is... Jim Hanks. Jim Hanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I played basketball with him out here. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and they do kind of look alike. Uh-huh. He's like a thinner version of. He's like a little taller and thinner, but it's like you know, okay, I can see it. They're he's totally a brothers. Booze yeah. and buddies era. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you, what years did you do that merger? Like around Somalia and all that. Stuff? Um, that was ninety three to ninety eight. Okay, so yeah. back then I graduated high school in nineteen ninety two. Did that like junior college office right. depot <laughs> poon fest. <laughs> That was at like ninety two, ninety three, and then I, yeah, I, I I left from there. I I had my twentieth birthday off the coast of Africa. So there were pirates then. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a big, that was a big concern. You know, they don't have a tremendous amount of other economic Options. opportunities, and then you know they they, and even with the piracy, they wouldn't always go and take the crew hostage sometimes they just like go on and break into containers and steal stuff and mm-hmm. you know i, I remember most, oh go ahead oh i was just gonna say i was uh, in, in shanghai and what they do as you're going through the river you know they tie a line between two fishing boats and then as you sail through it it pulls the boats alongside the ship and then they have the ladders and they just climb up and steal film and throw it down to their friends or cigarettes and then they just wow. cut the line and then they're they're away before you even know what happened and i remember seeing a container open and like wet footprints and the stuff's gone and you're like well at least i didn't get shot in the face <laughs> oh my God. like you're gonna get shot wait a minute so, trying to predict i like i saw the movie and mm-hmm. and like most people who aren't on these ships they see that and they're like these guys are in like a little power boat Coming up to this giant ship, it's like a wall of steel. I know. It seems like impossible that they could get up. I mean, what I kind of defenses did you have? Well, they did the, the the fire hose thing, which is like kind of your your first line of defense. And uh, there are a handful of people who are uh, have weapons, but it's not. 
they don't arm merchant ships because they can't they if they say hey, this is a merchant ship we just have cargo and then they have a bunch of guns on it internationally people frown on that it's like mm-hmm. we have a navy we have the ship that does that but um i don't know i i've been on the the pirate uh, crew i was uh there's a handful of people who were trained in in firearms i was one of those guys but um i never had to never had to use it they actually a ship i was on sent me to fort dix New Jersey and uh, you know, Fort Dix, Fort Dix, right sure. next to Fort Nuts. <laughs> come on, uh, folks. come on. Um, That's Matt Knutson. He'll be here all week. <laughs> Don't try the prime rib. <laughs> yeah, I'm the comedian that encourages encourages you not to do things. But, uh, the vegetarian don't, comedian. Don't tip your weight staff. <laughs> try the Brussels sprouts. Don't give it up for the people you've seen tonight. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was uh, weapons training Fort Dix. I was firing machine guns and shotguns and handguns and stuff, and you oh, take wow. them apart and clean them. And yeah, it was a fun weekend. Any tents? You say you saw um, footprints and stuff, and mm-hmm. like in uh, Shanghai. Yeah, but that was that the closest you ever came. And you, yeah, did probably. you ever see these guys outright, or was it just like no. you'd wake up and see signs of them? No, um, I think the most intense. First-hand experience that I had was uh, we pulled into – I was on a ship. We pulled into uh, Mogadishu, Somalia, and our ship – it was a merchant ship, so we were just there to kind of like – that particular ship was in support of a military operation. It was uh, it was the USNS, and that is the United States naval ship. That's something that's contracted out to uh, civilian merchant marines instead of just a, a USS – that's okay. how you can tell the the distinction. USS is military. USNS is merchant ship. So I was on a ship called USNS Denebola. We went to Somalia, and they pulled us alongside this dock. And so there was the military base here. Here was this channel that was a dock, and right across from it was this burnt-out hotel where – snipers were and they would just take shots at anyone that they could see in the military uh it was probably i would say the building was a hundred yards from the dock so as we pulled out before we even put lines out and could like tie up the ship because i was in the deck department they had like three bradleys that they had craned onto the deck as we were pulling in and then they had you know guns and turrets that were like pointing at the building and they were giving us cover and it was the only time that i had to ever put on a helmet and a flak jacket to go tie up uh oh man it was it was intense we didn't have anyone fire at us but you don't know they're not going to fire at you while you're doing that you're just kind of standing there just knowing that it's possible is is bad enough i'm 19 (laughs) i miss office depot (laughs) i miss my office depot orgies (laughs) Yeah, I can say in all honesty, Michael, I've never missed Office Depot, <laughs> and I know even when you get it, almost could have gotten killed in Somalia. <laughs> even you know, though it's still better than Office yeah, Depot. Oh God! Well, at least I'm not wearing khakis. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a great time, and I always say it was. It's the block I would have gone to college, uh, like. 18 to 23, 19 to 24, something in that in that neighborhood. And then after I finished that, I moved to the Dream Factory. Hollywood. Hollywood. Da, 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 da. How, but, uh, how many years did you do it? Almost five. 
Five years. Yeah, almost wow. five years. And when I uh, first got out of school, I went to a training facility in uh, in an uh, area called Piney Point, Maryland. It was the Paul Hall School for Seamanship. It was in Maryland. It's just off the Chesapeake. My first job was the job I was telling you about because – uh, they were going to Somalia, and it was a military contracted ship, and those don't pay the best. But I was like, just coming out of school. That was like, your first got, one. That was my first oh, job. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. It must have just gotten easier after that. It, I have to say it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> but that particular ship, after it came back, because uh, I went through like the Suez Canal and came oh, yeah. around the uh, the Cape and went through around South Africa, stopped in Durban. Uh, came back and then everyone left the ship, but it went into a status called ready reserve status because they have these USNS ships that are just uh, pre-positioned and then they go to a skeleton crew. So there was a guy who was on the skeleton crew that was quitting and I was – I just happened to be like, yeah, I'll, if you need me, I'll be the guy. You know. So I ended up living on that ship for about a year and it was in uh, in New York Harbor at the Motby, which is the military ocean terminal in Bayonne, New Jersey. Bayonne, New Bayonne. Gorgeous. Yeah, Bayonne. So, so it was right in between. The ship was in between Staten Island and the Statue of Liberty. It's that little kind of uh, island that – not island, but isthmus or yeah. whatever, that land that sticks out. I lived on a ship in New York Harbor basically for about a year and a half. You so. lived right on the ship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so lived on the ship. How often – could you, uh, I don't know, get off the ship? Or like, how often did you have to work? Well, we would, there weren't sea watches when you were on the ready reserve ship. They they just did kind of basically like nine to five. We would work from like, maybe like eight to five, nine to five, just take a lunch. fixing the ship? Like getting yeah. it ready? and Yeah, just making sure that it was ready to go if and when it was called to action, which just means like going and like oiling things and painting and doing all these like little intangible things. It's just like, like any piece of machinery. If you just put it in the corner and you don't, you know, keep it up when it's time to turn it on and make it go, it just doesn't work. So they had a skeleton crew that was basically like a third of the size of the regular crew. So we still had engineers and there was a steward department, which is steward department is cooks and linens and things like that. And a deck department, which is, which is what I did, but we would get off at like, you know, five or six o'clock and you know, I, I basically lived in New York. So I, at night, I would like go up to the city, or That's just great. we'd go to the Meadowlands and go uh, <laughs> watch the the horse races. And did you did you do comedy then? I wasn't doing comedy. Okay. Now I, I had. I mean, I I had always wanted to, but the idea of going in and doing it when you're like eighteen, nineteen, I was so like right. New York. <laughs> it wasn't like. Uh, I got to find a place to do spots. Yeah. I was just like, I got to go to the Natural History Museum. (laughs) I wish I would have started then, but, you know. Hey, come on. I mean, still, you got a lot out of it. I had the time of my life. It was really, really great. So I did that for about two years. I lived in in New York, a year and a half, and then moved back to the West Coast and started shipping out of Long Beach, which they do Central, South America. Um, Pacific Rim. The, yeah, yeah, and Europe, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Japan, Korea, China, Alaska, you know, some of the Pacific Islands like Hawaii, Guam. There's a, a island called Diego Garcia, which is a military island that the oh, U.S. Right. owns. I don't – I've never been to Diego Garcia, but that's like West I've Coast. I've seen his head. Those. I had to go get the head of <laughs> I had to go to the head of Diego Garcia. I had to bring it to some guy. Vendetta. Bring me the head of Diego Garcia. 
Yeah. So um, that's what I Where did for about three years. So that's by Guam. That's by Guam. That's like South Pacific. Like, what uh, about here of all these islands? I just think they're all just like U.S. naval bases. Yeah, we probably got a million of them scattered all over. It's still left over from World War II. Yeah, we probably do. And then there, once, for the most part, once a military thing is established, it's you know we still have stuff in you know Okinawa, yeah, Iwo Jima. We know. stay. We invade your country and we stay forever. We we stick around. They're saying like there's we're doing like the the troop withdrawal in Afghanistan right now. It's like we're, our forces are out except for these ten thousand dudes. Yeah, 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 who are going to stay there? We're always going to be there in Iraq as well. We're just I agree. We can't get out. We're we going to build a base out. that has a McDonald's, <laughs> and uh, you know, you, you unless go, we lose, you, you know, I went to Vietnam and uh, we don't have any bases there. We don't. <clears throat> what they do have is the uh, Museum of American Atrocities. Yeah. I don't oh, know I saw that. Tra- yeah. Yeah. I saw that went to, with all the Agent Orange stuff for the photos. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. The war museum there. And then um, did you – so you did – you went to Vietnam? No, I had just heard about it. Oh, yeah. I read about it. So I would think – well, let's go back to the Middle East. When What was the Suez Canal like? And then did you go through the Panama Canal as well? Because yeah. I went down there and saw that, but I haven't seen the Suez. Yeah, uh, the Suez Canal is very it's very interesting. There's a lot of... Um, they just carved a channel through the desert, right? And, and connected the Mediterranean to the Red Sea. Correct. Right? Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what How it long is. does it take to go through? Um, you know, I really don't... I don't remember. I remember being there for like a maybe a day, maybe a little bit more than a day. But what they do is they have, and this is true for the Suez Canal as well as the Panama Canal. They have line handlers that are you know like along the are, side of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I saw that. Because what you do is you you pass out your 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 lines to either tugboats or um, they'll also have these stanchions that are motorized. So you you basically pull the ship through. The, yeah, it's like a cable car almost. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So they have uh, local people that are like, they're the experts. So they'll bring them on the ship and then they'll stay in a certain area. And then, so they stay on the ship. And and when you get to a lock, they'll put the lines out and, you know, and then there's areas that are bigger. Like in the Panama Canal, there's, there's lakes within the, you know, within the locks. I remember staying one night, uh, our ship just was in a... Just uh, overnight. Overnight. Yeah, you see them all lined up, like uh, just parked, ready to go. go. Yeah, waiting to go. And the U.S. ships always have the... uh, the right to go first or early, but for some reason we we like stayed overnight, and I distinctly remember um, having a ship just parked in one of the lakes, and like the crew was jumping off the ship and swimming, <laughs> yeah. and there's like these white dolphins that are just kind of swimming around, just like this this is awesome. I think I yelled, "I'm 20" several times. <laughs> I'm 20. This is not Office Depot. Yeah, it was. Great, and there's also like a mentality that you have when you're like, "Hey, I, I'm making money. I don't have any responsibilities. Of this is, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome." So, did I read about the building of the Panama Canal? It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's yeah. an incredible story. But if um, but going through, I it takes it seems to take a while, right? It could take days. Yeah, yeah. and it's really expensive, I guess. And they make a ton. <sighs> right. But I thought it was just really weird that there'd be like a big giant. Um, like cargo ship like yours, like some mm-hmm. huge and then right in front of him in line is like a sailboat right. with like three people on it, <laughs> little tiny and we gotta wait behind this guy. Right. Well Steve and Diane Jacobson. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right after the uh uh the ship that I went through was the HMS Petrochem, which was a a tanker mm-hmm. and I took it from Long Beach to Boston. Oh wow. 
That was a it was a great trip. Yeah, that's that was, but that was like towards the end of my career when I realized I was not going to. You weren't Dude, a lifer. I wasn't a lifer. I knew I wasn't going to be a lifer. Did you see of, those guys that they were like, oh, they're real yeah. salty old Absolutely. dudes? Absolutely. The industry is full of lifers. Yeah. There's just a handful of people that I think do it like I did it, which is just like, I'm going to. You so know, a means to an end. A you means know. to an end. I wanted to travel. I wanted to get out there. And that being said, I didn't do the job flippantly. I was always very, you know, I got whatever certification that I needed to get. I was always punctual and professional. But I wasn't like, you know, you know, in 24 years, yeah. I can collect a pension. <laughs> One know? day I'm going to be the captain of this ship. Yeah. I do have a pension coming to me from the Seafarers International Union. Okay, because these are that's what I was going to ask. These are all union. It's, it's a, a union, union job. Gig. Okay. Yeah, and I think my pension is like $817. Sweet. Yeah. Total I, or every month? <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's the that's the nut. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think it. So when I turn, you know, 65, they can just. You got that coming to They you. can either parse it out in 39 cent <laughs> checks or just give it to me. Yeah, the whole uh, the whole industry it's all union and it's based on uh, uh something called rotary shipping which there's no permanent jobs in the union you just work on a ship for a finite amount of time and then after that you have to go and get another job so you can only work 120 days on a ship and then the next time you go into a port that after your hundred, like for example, if you're uh, like you ship out of Long Beach, and you've been on the ship for 120, you know, three days, and you pull into Seattle, we have a union hall in Seattle. You got to get off and you got to fly back. So, oh. and then the guy in Seattle will get will get the job. So you can only do 120 days or the closest proximity to that. Is that to spread out the work amongst people? So one, like the same handful of guys aren't getting all the hours. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it is. So you go in and you do four months on a ship. And then after you get off, you go and you register your union card and that's good for 90 days. So you have three months to get another job, but just with the same theory of, of uh, rotary shipping, you get, um, the person with the oldest card gets the next job. So oh, if seniority, I go, it's all seniority. Yeah, it's seniority. So if I go in and I register my card and it's good for three days and you've been out of work for two months, if we both throw our card in and you literally throw your card in for a job, <laughs> there's a job call. You're like, eh, you put your card into the, you know, if you have one that's 60 days and mine is less than a week, you're going to get the next job job that comes in. So what happens? You're gonna be if you get off at Seattle and you can't get on another thing, are you just stuck in Seattle? No, the the shipping <laughs> company flies you back to, to your port of origin. Okay. Yeah, they, that's kind of in their contract. You go back to the port of origin. But when I was um when I was doing that, I never uh I wouldn't even bother going into the union hall until my card was like two months old. So I would get because off Because you ship. knew you weren't gonna get yeah. you were gonna out it, it senior yeah. anybody. Yeah. I wouldn't even bother. So what I would do is I would go Get off a ship. I'd go and register my card like that day or maybe the next day. And then I would go like backpack Europe for like two months or three months and then come back with like a 75-day-old card. And just like, <laughs> all right, here we go. And that's that's basically how I did it for like five years after high school. Like it, shipping out, 
backpacking, shipping out, backpacking. Well, that's awesome. Where did it you was backpack? Where it did you great. go? Uh, I backpacked Central America for almost three months. It was in Europe for about th- three months, two and a half, three months. And, and did you were, you, were you doing the hostels or were you hostels. doing... Hostels. Oh, really? Yeah. You were? Yeah. I was just the hostel kid. It's just, you know, and it, again, like we were talking about earlier, there's a mindset that you're like, well, I'm 21. I'd love to sleep in this room with, mm-hmm. you know, 20 bunk beds. <laughs> with strangers. Be, I'll leave my valuables here. That'll be fine. And then they, <laughs> that's how you, like, meet people because you're all staying in the same hostel. And like, hey, there's a pub down the street. Yeah. You're damn right no, Hostels is. were great to, when you were traveling alone and to meet people. And the uh, best. now I'm just too old to stay in them. I can't. Can't yes, do it. But. There's definitely a uh, a, a lid. Yeah, you don't want to be the creepy old guy in the hostel. <laughs> Where's yeah. the party tonight, guys? Um, mm, hey, pops. Hey, I don't want to be called pops. Right. So take would, your flip flops off. And, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you must have been like odd because it was probably mostly you know kids just getting out of college and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you, but you actually had some money in your pocket. True. That must have been pretty nice. It I was mean, great. You were rolling big in the in the hostel. Well, I, we were doing the same things. I think the difference was I was paying for the things I was doing instead okay. of like having the parents, you know, yeah. so maybe some trust fund kids. And then also, <laughs> too, there was people that I met who were just like Italians that lived in Rome. Mm-hmm. And it was just, we kind of like met at a bar, like, hey, come, come and stay with me. You know, I also. Then you show hey, up. You show you up. You actually show up. I hey, remember when you said. <laughs> I did not realize you. Would, oh, that was just being polite, uh, sir. Except I, the offer, I uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I remember traveling with my guitar, and if I didn't have anything to do during the day, I'd open my case and play. And you know, people would give you money and like throw a block of hash in your guitar case. <laughs> You're just like, I'm twenty. <laughs> I have twenty. So what were the highlights? I mean, what, did you like uh, Europe or South America better or Central America? Um, you know what? I really loved Europe, but if if uh, somebody put a gun to your head and you're like, all right, you have to be in one area, I'd be like, okay, put the gun down. It's not that important. No, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I'm in this situation. Why? why? Put the, <laughs> my God. Um, I liked uh, Central America the best because, you know, I surf and oh, it was that it was that kind of thing. I brought I brought a board and I had my backpack and I would just like hop on a bus and like, hey, have you heard of this place? No. And then go to that place. Like, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I've only done, I've done in Central America, I've been to Costa Rica, Panama, and uh, Belize. Yeah. Um, Great spots. Yeah. You know, you- and it's that, it's that, the the ocean feels like a, like warm, like bath water. The waves are great. Things are inexpensive. People are cool. Pura vida. Yeah. You know, yeah. and this was, I guess I went in 97. Well, you know, no, so. I mean, it's a lot more built up now. Like I Costa Rica's so. nuts. I would think so. I, I Panama, uh, I liked a lot. Yeah, I liked it too. I, I, I had the opportunity when I was in Costa Rica to like, they were selling real estate, and if oh, they still are. If it's far enough away from the uh, from the water, you can actually buy property. If it's on the beach, you can't buy property in Costa Rica. It always that stuff will always belong to the government. Oh, okay. So, but I had like this this guy showed me this land. It's just like it's uh, it's twelve five, like twelve thousand five hundred dollars, and. Yeah, At the time, it would, yeah, it would have been, it may as well have been a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Because unless absolutely. you have that, you know. And I certainly didn't want to, like, work to put money towards something that, like, maybe I might get back here someday. Yeah, I mean, you, don't want, you weren't going to settle down. And if you were, you know, some remote place of Costa Rica. <laughs> sure. <laughs> unless you really wanted to check out. But, you right. know, you had, saving, you had a little ambition. <laughs> I'm I got to go to Hollywood. Hollywood. Carl's Jr. needs me. <laughs> <laughs> See my destiny. 
So if uh, that's hilarious, I mean, did, was there ever uh, a point there when you went, like, say, you met somebody or met, met a lady or something mm-hmm. overseas, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll stay here for, maybe I'll live here? Not once, not once. Okay. No, I, I did say, and I'm not like a Lothario, but there is, it's a hookup culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's something about like, well, everybody's like, just, it's a kind of vacation mentality. You're young, you're drinking, you go to Oktoberfest, you meet. You know, I met this woman at Oktoberfest and we ended up in Munich? In Munich. Oh, yeah. yeah, in Munich and I So you went at the right age. I went I went like a few years ago when I was way too old. Yeah. Me. Yeah, but I, I brought her back to the hostel that I was staying in. Oh. And it was in, one of those hostel? bunk bed things where there was like 36 guys in a room and I'm in the bottom bunk in this corner <laughs> and we're just kind of like messing around and I snuck her in at probably like 2:30 in the morning and everyone was asleep cuz the uh the beer tents in Munich they close at like 10 o'clock. Yeah. T- 10 or like 11 o'clock. It's not Well, they have to or else, you know, people have been drinking since 10 in the morning. Oh, yeah. I remember specifically, like, one of my most vivid memories of Munich is a guy laying in the gutter with his pants, like, down at his knees, and he was urinating straight up into the air, and it was falling down on him. It looked like the <laughs> saddest fountain I've ever seen in my entire life. But that is, it's just oh, the there pint was... things and oh. people... I got a nice photo collage from there, just bodies just everywhere, like lying on the hillside and then sleeping in the train station by oh, rows. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing. Just, but, but yeah, at, at, you know, in your 40s, you're like, I, sh- I wish I should have. Yeah, yeah, 20s, yeah, this, it, it would have been a lot more fun. Yeah, yeah. but um, I met this girl in Munich and she was, she was an American. She was actually from Seattle. I want to say, yeah, I think she was from Seattle, but she was a um, a student and she was living with a family in Paris. So we like, I met her in Munich and like, hey, and then I uh, <laughs> went to Paris and looked her up again. So we had a few more romantic dates and like we went and to the top of the Eiffel Tower. And so I got to have that experience of like, this is my lover, you know, whatever <laughs> right. the, the, the romantic thing, the couple thing. Yeah, you walk around Paris holding hands. It's yeah. great. And she was fluent in French. She knew oh, the nice. places to go. And, you know, can't beat that. You can't beat that. You have you got a part time girlfriend, and there was, yeah, you got your guitar. <laughs> you had, I had long hair at the time, I had like this long beard. Oh, I saw a photo of that. Would you? I thought that was. I thought you had photoshopped that. That was how I that looked. Was, really? That was That's how I hilarious. looked. My whole career shipping out. Uh, one of the first jobs uh, that I got when I moved to L.A. After that, I played Jesus Christ on Malcolm in the Middle, <laughs> and they didn't have to put a wig on. They didn't have to. I didn't have to grow a beard. That's exactly how I looked the whole t- the whole time. So it was. I'm 20. Yeah, you know, it grunge was, was big. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah, it was okay. a great time. So um, that's awesome. I think the only thing I had to do for that job was dye it brown, dye my hair, and right. my, my beard brown. <laughs> but um, it feels like another lifetime. That, well, not another lifetime, but like you know how you like look back at moments in your life. I call them chapters. Well, here's the chapter where I went to high school, and you know this is what I did, and then I went to Michigan for. You know, am I crazy or no? You, no, no. I mean, there's yeah. You break it up. I mean, I had my, uh, you know, post. You know, you have your high school chapter, then yeah. there's the college chapter, and then like living and starting comedy, and that was another chapter. Then yeah. I moved to New York, and that was another chapter. Then I moved here, and there was another, and then post this job and post after. You know, it's yeah. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, and that was at this stage. I mean, that was I've moved to LA in '98, so that was 16. 
16 years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, oh, that's, you know, you talk about God, these You should have been farther along. I know. What yeah. happened? I'm still doing <laughs> I'm kidding. commercials. Yeah. I, maybe if I, it's one of those things where like, I've successfully avoided real work for no, that's a win. For, for, Believe yeah, me, that's a win. For a lot of years. There's other people, maybe they have the like, well, first of all, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then this and this. And it's just like, well. You I haven't had to go back to Office Depot. Not, well, it's a knock on knock, death. Knock on now death. you're doing Office Depot commercials. <laughs> that's true. Actually, my uh, podcast, ironically enough, sponsored by Office Depot. So Is I it should really? No. Can no. you imagine? <laughs> I was going to say, nice job. Right? It's sponsored by Binder Clips, <laughs> the actual product, Binder Clips. So, I mean, when you look back, you don't have any regrets on it. Oh, best. I, I, I always want to say the best years of my life are ahead of me. But those are pretty great years. <laughs> so when you would get off at, at, at a place like Shanghai or anywhere like that, mm-hmm. did, did you get uh, like shore leave in the uh, like the Navy would get? How many? How long would that last? Well, most of the time, uh, the shore leave was not. I mean, when you think of like Jack Kerouac and mm-hmm. uh, Ernest Hemingway, the, the, those merchant marines, it was a different era of shipping where they had like kind of it was called a stick ship where they would load cargo on with cranes but it was like a crane with just like an arm and it took forever and it took forever so people would be in port for like a week or two weeks now you see the way that they have it you know automated and things like that like if you go down to long beach and you see those big cranes and they're just like and loading containers on trucks and you you know you're in and out so you could be at a port for you know a day 18 hours it's one of those things once the uh once the cargo is loaded you're out. You got to go. To, even if it's three in the morning, because they someone, need the space. Someone else is going to be coming in because right. there's only so much dock space. There's only so much time. So you could be there for twelve hours. But what I would do with people is you you trade watches. Are you familiar with the uh, the watch system at, at sea? No. Basically, uh, you work eight hours a day. You have to work eight hours a day. But those hours are broken up into two four-hour blocks. So you would work 12 to 4, 4 to 8, or 8 to 12. And that would be midnight to 4 a.m. and noon to 4. That would be your eight-hour day. Mm-hmm. And then in between that, you if you had, like, you would get overtime for, like, you know, chipping rust and painting and doing all that other work. But if you were going ashore, like, I, I used to like to do the 4 to 8. You know, you wake up at, like, 3.30 in the morning, 4 to 8. You work overtime from, like, 8 to noon. I have lunch, take a little bit of a nap, show up for your four to eight. And then, you know, so that was, that was a day. But if I stood someone's watch, like they wanted to go ashore from like noon to four, uh, I would cover them. And then like, oh, I I really want to see, you know, Shanghai. (laughs) Oh, okay. That's cool. I'd cover them for their 12 to four. And then when we get to Hong Kong, you know, they, they cover me for my four to eight so I could get off the ship at like eight in the morning and then not have to be back again until 4 a.m. the next day. So we all kind of took each, took care of each other. And I would always bring a bike onto most ships that I that I went on. So it was part of my thing. I just put it in my room. And then when you get to the, you know, to the port, you just take your bike down the gangway and pedal around. And, you know, you're kind of a tourist, but. Right. A local at the same time. Did you ever go someplace where you walked off and you're like, we, we are not welcome here? Yeah. Uh, Somalia. <laughs> well, yeah. Other than getting almost shot at. 
Other than that, I mean, people are, you know, they it's are... It's like the U.S. Navy coming off in their whites and the whole, you know, everybody knows they're there. Over there! Hey. <laughs> and that's what they say. And they're dancing. They're dancing as they go off. <laughs> they all look like Fred Stare. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to say, for the most part, people are very welcoming and very, very cool. And uh, I think they're so used to, especially in port cities, you go to these cities and they have such an international feel about them international slash industrial i mean you go to a, a port city it's there for you know for business but they'll have americans and then the next ship that comes in is russians and then the next one is so if there's too much bad stuff that happens there's you know it'll, it'll give it a bad reputation and, and people won't well there's really got to be like one or two bars there that just uh, you know appeal to the every port has that Port bar, absolutely, and it's got to be like a you know like Mos Eisley, you know. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, true. Find a more wicked den of scum and no. villainy, and it's it, you, you hear the term salty character. That term was invented to describe most sailors. They are literally salty characters. So they know where the bars are. They know where the brothels are. They know where all the the den of iniquities mm-hmm. are. And I went and I hung out at those places too, but I was having a different experience because I was kind of – I was a lot younger than most – like every ship that I went on, I was the kid. Hey, get the kid to do it. Hey, take the kid. <laughs> you know, I was probably routinely 20-plus years younger oh, wow. than everyone I was working with. And so they would go do those things, but I was more curious about – I want to go to the Shanghai Zoo. You know, <laughs> I want to see, you know, the monkey ride the panda. That's <laughs> – yeah, so I, I was having a, the similar experience, but in a different in a different way. And also, too, I did hook up with some women and stuff, but it wasn't like eh, and and yeah. ten makes thirty. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I actually got it the old fashioned way, right? <laughs> Through <laughs> hard work, true character, and being young, yeah, and my guitar, right, and my guitar. You know, I, I feel a little self conscious that I'm like, you know, I'm not like another notch on the bedpost, <laughs> yeah. But it's not. Come uh, on, you're uh, 21 years old. You're tw- yeah. it, there's an there's a. A time in your life where you just want to hook up. And you're and on I a think, ship with dudes for weeks on end. Right, right. And well, I think that's uh, uh, men and women have that period too. Oh, it's absolutely. like you're your late teens, early 20s, maybe you stretch into 30. And then, you know, that kind of goes away and you settle down and you do something else. <laughs> so it must have been like, and some of these crews must have been just hardcore. A lot of guys running away from some stuff. You absolutely. Guess. Yeah, absolutely. Were there ex-cons and stuff that worked on the ship? I would think so. I mean, I didn't really get into a lot of people's bio. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> what's not the, to ask. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to volunteer information, but it, it is like not prison, but it's just like, so where are you from? You know, I, right. I, I didn't ask. I just, if people want to <laughs> put stuff out there, then you get to know them a little bit better. But, uh, maybe that's where I learned not to, not to ask. It's just like, yeah, if you got if you got something you want to volunteer, I'll I'm, I'll listen. But yeah. so, what do, you, what do you think? All the uh, travel and and all that experience. How do you think it changed you as a person, and how you look at the world and, mm. and life, and how you look at America? Yeah, you know, I, I just um, it was definitely a it was definitely a unique perspective because I read this somewhere. Only ten percent of Americans have passports. And they don't really get out there, and they don't yeah. see how. I think it's like thirty percent now, but it's still yeah. And that only went up because after nine eleven, you need uh, to go to Mexico and Canada. Yeah, 
because he never used to. He used to just start, show your driver's license, but th- those days are over. Right. And yeah. the Caribbean as well. Right. <laughs> but now you need it for But most people use them just to go to those places. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. it's really... And then you have to dress up like a priest to get your drugs back over the exactly. border. Oh, Dallas Buyers Club. I gotta shove things up my <laughs> anal cavity. And this time it's not for fun. It's just business. <laughs> um, I was glad to have a worldly perspective at that young age because... Not that I didn't know it, but um, I mean, I have a joke in the act. It's on my album coming up. It's like the world is not America, mm-hmm. and you don't realize that until you actually get out there. And most of the places that you go to, they are a nation of the people who were born and raised there and have lived there for generations. Like, you know, you go to Africa, you go to Kenya, it has Kenyans. You go to China, there's Chinese. You know, America is a melting pot. And you don't really think about other ethnicities because they're around us all the time. And it's a beautiful thing about America. When I was in like Shanghai, I would stop to – I remember I'd stop to read a map. I like looked up and there's like a dozen people taking my picture just to like, you know, just to – as if it was some um, Sasquatch sighting. Yeah. People would come up to me and, you know, they want to take pictures. So I'd look at the big white guy. I had that uh, happened to me in Vietnam. It yeah. happened to me in India. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, I had the long hair and I had the, the beard. And so yeah. it, well, it was like that. Jesus. Extra, Jesus. Is I, mean, Jesus <laughs> I got a picture of the second coming. <laughs> yeah. So it was, I was, and I say this on stage. When you travel, whether you like it or not, you are an American diplomat. So be cool. <laughs> it's super easy. Be cool. And um, so, yeah, I think that was a big part of my, like, upbringing. And also, too, when I was growing up, my, my dad was a pastor. So even then we moved around to a lot of different cities all the time. So I remember learning to talk to people that were older than me and being polite and respectful and, you know, caring I guess for lack of nice a goes word. a long way oh, in any language, dude. you know, in any culture, you know, just be a decent person. Be a decent they can person. get that vibe off you if you're cocky, if you're uh, disrespectful of the local, you know, of their home. Yeah, they, Enti- they can see it. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So I think it's important to just America internationally be nice. Don't try and. I don't know, make demands. It's amazing how many people think they're entitled to a certain level of, hey, I'm ass. Yeah. It's like, I have to wait more than five minutes for my food. What is the deal? <laughs> this is bullshit. Where is that little brown man bringing me my, <laughs> serving yeah. me? But I remember playing um, a golf in uh, Mombasa, Kenya. I had like the day off or something. I traded somebody where I had a whole day and I went and played golf and I, I'm not a very good golfer, but I, I, I think I played 18 holes at this like really nice club. It was $3 for an extra dollar. I had a caddy who would like, you know, advise me on shots and stuff. And if I ever hit it out into the woods, he had a machete that he kept in his bag and he'd like go and clear brush trying to find my ball. And it's just like, this is $4. He could not be trying more to please me and he's I, only getting a dollar he's that. getting a dollar and i bought him a coke Ooh, at the turn yeah nice. at the, at nine at the yeah, yeah at the 19th or <laughs> yeah so it was people if people are relying on you for you know tourism and business and they're being nice don't be a dick right so uh, we got a, a website or any you got an album coming out it's mattknutson.com it's uh m-a-t-t-k-n-u-d-s-e-n uh mattknutson.com and i have links to 
find me on Twitter. I'm at Matt Gennett's and Facebook. My album's called American. Ah. And it's on, it's on iTunes. I called it American because I do talk about shipping out and going to Africa and China and, you know, and oh, my I can't wife, wait to hear it. Yeah. My wife is first generation American and her mother immigrated here from Hungary. So I kind of have these components that are working. It's more, more thematic than just like maybe just jokes like my last album was. So I was really proud of it. I really had a great time. Like 45 minutes of it is straight stand-up. And then I play piano. I recorded the album at the Improv. Oh, right. So I, I play piano and I uh, I fronted a jazz quartet. So 45 <laughs> minutes of stand-up, the last 15 is me on piano. I have a, a drummer, a stand-up bassist, and a saxophone player. Oh, awesome. And they just basically score my favorite jokes from Twitter. <laughs> in kind of a non sequitur, non linear, tangential way, you can just have these one liners that you just throw out, and then as people are laughing, you're jamming over it. It was <laughs> the show was really a lot of fun. A That's lot of great, fun. and I think it's captured in the album. It's on uh, it's on iTunes. Matt Knutson, an American. And your podcast. You, you have your own podcast. Yes, it's called Grabbing Lunch. I basically uh, take comedians, actors, artists, uh, writers out to lunch and record our casual hang out you know <laughs> the only thing i had in mind was uh don't don't ask questions and just talk, listen more than i talk right and so people will just like hey did you see this movie oh i, I didn't see it and then you just especially too if because i i usually have two guests every uh every week next week i'm getting together with jake johansson and craig anton we're going out for hamburgers two uh, very funny guys yeah two very funny guys uh saturday i'm going to a dodgers game with uh nick rutherford and carl hess <laughs> um this week's episode i go out i go to shakey's with these guys called the fringe riders who it's uh have you ever seen the fringe riders they're great no. they do like a comedy co- they do a cowboy act okay it's campy and it's it's great. So that's grabbinglunch.com. Grabbing lunch. Mm-hmm. And that's on iTunes as well. You can listen to uh, listen for Mike Siegel on one soon. Yeah. Hopefully sooner than later. <laughs> no, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, I'm in it more for the lunch. Yeah. Me and Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Right? That'd be a lot of fun. Oh, there's the tree trimmers. Yep. Here Plus they are. trimming my car. Why would you do that? <laughs> uh, come on. Oh, God, I just paid that off. <laughs> Matt Knutson, everybody. Thanks for coming. Mike, my, my pleasure. It. Thanks for having me, buddy. Sure.